Hello, listeners. Uh, thank you for tuning in again. Uh, this week we have an amazing individual who I have only ever got to scratch the surface of, so I'm super excited to be able to kind of do more of a deep dive on on her and uh, kind of the life that she's had. So please welcome Adrian Dunno. Hello. Hello. Round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> so we met... I feel like we've told this story like four times now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we met at the red carpet and um, I believe uh, you had you were running a or you were helping run the drag show upstairs and uh, Doima was doing stand up there. And this was back when he would take his shirt off with the suspenders. And... Uh, <laughs> I looked up and I was like, oh, I could do this for sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I had I can't remember if I asked you or him, but somebody had directed me to him. And then seeing you downstairs, you're you're like I've described it a few times. I'm going to try to do a better job this time. The confidence that you have behind the bar is almost like a character in a movie like you wear it so well you know what i mean mm-hmm. like Thank you. somebody strolls into a town <laughs> and bartender's like what can i get you like that just absolute confidence and like nothing bothers them at all like that's that's the vibe that i got from you initially i was scared and i hate saying that because i know people say that a lot but that's why we're here today <laughs> To talk about why people fear me. Yeah. <laughs> you scary bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, well, so one night Kim had come out to, to see stand up and she had gotten drunk upstairs. Oh, I think that's what it was. You were working upstairs. So we went up to see you. You got her some shots. And then we were about to go downstairs and you're like, no, take the, let's take the elevator. And we took the elevator down and went through the, the nooks and crannies. And I think I had made some joke about like, this is where the prostitutes are or something. Oh. And then you had made I don't a, even remember this interaction at all. Well, I'm, so. <laughs> sure you, I'm sure you've done this for hundreds of people. So it's not. It's not special to you, but it was like my first time, like actually like going through the corridors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it correctly because it, if it's true or if it was a joke, it, it's either a joke or it was an intense thing that kind of went by the wayside. Mm-hmm. So did you ever do sex work? No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Was there like a a line that bordered? Mm, I no. I don't. I don't personally consider burlesque sex work. I wouldn't either. Because I think of burlesque burlesque more as a style of striptease, but. It's not even to the extent of nudity that most strippers get down to. Yeah. So I would say burlesque is kind of like exploring that in a bit of a way, but not quite 
fully. Yeah. There. Well, I mean, it it was um like what was the the can can that whole uh, phase of of history like um. Were they oh, called like the, Go Go Girls or the? Are you talking like way back in the day, yeah, like yeah, circus yeah. Yeah, times, yeah, yeah. like the coochie tents? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. A coochie tent? I think that's what they were called. Coochie tents or hoochie tents? I think it's coochie tents. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there were coochies. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I always think of like whenever somebody brings up burlesque, I always think of those. Like, especially in cartoons where they put the women in a line and they're doing the can-can, like kicking their leg up and doing the thing. I like the Moulin Rouge. Or Moulin Rouge. Yeah. For sure. Or one that people don't think of very often is Newsies. Have you ever seen Newsies? No. Ah, you should watch it. Mm -hmm. So Christian Bale, when he was just a wee babe. Oh, that's why I haven't seen it. I don't like him. (gasps) But wait. I... Is you it because he's an asshole? You know when there's just like something about someone's face. Oh yeah. And I and it's it was really seeing him in Batman with the mole <laughs> in theaters zoomed in. Okay. That really ruined everything for me. That's fair. I know. Well, I'm this sorry. is nice because he's a kid. <laughs> he's a kid, so it's not. He hasn't grown into the. He he even has like a speech impediment that he must have later in life grown out of. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's these girls that like take care of these kids from time to time and they hang out at this, uh, this theater and they do like kind of like burlesque, but like there's like a swing and like the whole, that old school style of thing. That's what I always think of, which I think is synonymous with a shit ton of work. Mm-hmm. Cause like they were making their own dresses. They were like doing all this fucking miserable, hard labor shit. And most of the time maintaining all of the upkeep themselves. And so that's what I think of like, so when I say that you're like a hard worker and you have, um, I've got five seconds and then I need to go do something face. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I think of is like, you have so many, uh, what is it? Irons in the fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, especially when I first met you because you were having to help with the open mic too. And, and it's just bonkers. Well, and I think even at the time that we really met each other, I was, I was really only like scratching the surface of like where I was and kind of trying to figure out like where I wanted to be. Mm. From there, too, because how many years ago was that? Four. Yeah. So that's probably about midpoint because now I've been doing burlesque for about eight years. So around that time was when I started being like, where do I want to go with it? How do I want to push it? Um, Do I want to start guest performing in other shows more frequently and if I do that how am I going to do that Mm. and I've always looked at myself as more of an underdog and then trying to figure out like how I'm going to achieve these goals like eventually well yeah I mean you're you're type a in that the if it's if it's written out in a certain way then it's a challenge that you know that you can undertake Mm -hmm. does that that make sense Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think that's why, like, I load myself up so much. Everyone knows. Um, But that's why I want to be involved in, like, as many things possible, too, at the same time. And even now, I'm like, I'm doing it all. I'm, like, running the red carpet nightclub. And not only that, but, like, booking, like, music and giving people opportunities to perform their booking events. Running the burlesque troops, two of them, teaching dance classes, doing Common Roots Fest. I was going to say, do you still get the talent for Common Roots, too? Mm -hmm. But I still don't think it's really enough (laughs) personally i was just talking about this so i just heard this lady talking about addiction and she was on the joe rogan show and um they were talking about like the way that the the brain evolved and how it used to be that you you'd wake up there wasn't free time you Mm -hmm. wake up and you survive all day long and so the brain had to introduce dopamine so that we would enjoy certain aspects of survival so like uh drinking water uh, if you hydrate yourself a little bit of dopamine if you eat a meal a little bit of dopamine but now that we don't have to do the hunter gather shit any of that stuff like that part of your brain is like what the fuck are we supposed to do That's so like high achievers more than likely would have been hunter-gatherers mm. because that part is still active mm-hmm. and you see these things as like something that you can overcome. Um, but it's also the reason why a shitload of people have anxieties because your brain is like, what? We're sp- I feel like we're supposed to be doing something and we're doing nothing. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Three days have gone by and we haven't done shit. Yeah. So it's, it's a fascinating like biological thing. I'm always like fascinated by that like the subconscious part of your brain that like it's not like it has an agenda other than survival Mm -hmm. so it's but it's kind of an asshole sometimes like well and that's super interesting too because i feel like i consistently feel like um like what i'm doing isn't enough and that i need to keep doing more and then I overload myself to an extent of I I do have like super high anxiety. So then I am going, going, going for like two weeks and then I just crash. Mm. And then it's an instant burnout of like I need to lay here and I need to do nothing. And I have to shut my phone off for a day, two days. No one talked to me. And then I get my jolt of energy again. I'm like full. Yes, ma'am. And I take on everything again and I just continue that routine over and over again. Like, have you found a a spot where you're able to say no to things and not because I, I would imagine that when you would be taking these things on, you're sacrificing other things. Like, did you ever see that one was outweighing the other and you had to step back from certain things? Not until the pandemic. Mm. So I honestly had no idea how much I was burning myself out before the pandemic. Mm. And when everything was announced and we were even we were planning a burlesque show like we were supposed to have a show that Friday. Oh, wow. And um, I remember I think there were like five of us there practicing when they were talking about how they were going to make the announcement the next day about like a shutdown. Wow. So I was like, okay. Well, maybe we'll just like wait to cancel the show. Like they might change their mind. Like I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going on. So waited till it was like official, canceled the show. And I was like, wow, I don't have to go to work for two 
weeks. I'm gonna sleep. <laughs> and I remember even thinking like, oh, I don't need to file for unemployment. I don't need to do any of these things. Like everything's gonna go back to normal. I didn't realize the extent of it all because I'm so busy with all of my other shit oh. that I like barely pay attention to the news. So I really didn't know like how bad COVID was and how like rapid it was getting and how we were probably going to be shut down for way longer than two weeks, which we were. And it was what, about three months? Yeah. Something like that. That was a huge reflection moment for me. Um, I did not realize how horrible of a significant other I was until then. Wow. Because I was just working and I was like, well, I I got to make money, right? Like I got to bring home the bacon. I know that I'm like kind of the breadwinner here and I'm the one that's doing like a lot of the activities. So I'm doing all this. And how come you're not cleaning? How come this isn't done for me? You should have like these things laid out for me and ready to go for me to make my life easier to go to work kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I felt so douchey and I was like, God, this is like how like in those 1950s movies, like these white men treat their wives and like, what am I doing and why did I act like that? And I wasn't affectionate. Like I lost that whole part of my relationship and I was totally oblivious to it all. Wow. Until... Then when the pandemic happened and I had to be at home and I was like, oh, three days later, I'm like, oh, I can like do things. I can like clean things. Then I was like, oh, hey, because she was still going to work. Annie was still working because they were doing to go. at Oh, Saudi. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they just closed their dine in, but still were doing to go outside. So I was like, oh, I can like bring you to work. <laughs> I can like cook you dinner I can do all these things and and then I like slowly was realizing like what I was missing was affection and that was the reason why I was so angry all the time before that because I I just thought I was naturally an angry person honestly wow I was like I know that I have high anxiety I know that I have depression and I'm just angry and I'm an Aries <laughs> I'm an Aries. You can't like, that's my excuse. That's my justification for it. <laughs> but realized later on that what I was missing was actually the affection and like that type of relationship that I had with Annie when we first started being with each other hmm. in that first year. Um, and it really helped me like grow as a person and I look back at myself from when I was 28 because I that happened or 29 because, yeah, I'm 31 now and I turned 30 over COVID. Oh, OK. During the shutdown. Um, and I look back at myself and I'm like, oh, my God, who did you think you were? <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy thing. Like when you become accustomed to having somebody so wonderful by your side that you it's like i don't like it's it's 
it's going to come out weird, but like, I don't need to worry about you. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like I was taking full advantage of how amazing she was and not giving her anything in return and how she didn't leave me. I have no idea because she totally should have. And I would have completely understood. That's Alex and I do this once a week. We're like, we're married. Yeah. Well, how? Look at us. We're awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How Kim has. I Yeah. I mean, everybody who has listened to any of the podcasts that I've done knows like. Yeah. It's insane that she's still here. Like I'm I always say how un- unbelievably lucky that I am because, um, yeah, I feel the same way. Like you do. You just get used to them being OK and then when I was in treatment, I remember there was a point where like, cause so many people were taking care of me and I was in there with another guy and he had done this volunteer program where families could come in and ask residents questions. And, uh, he was like just blown away by what the majority of these wives had been through. And he was like, we got to fucking do better. I was like, holy shit, I don't even know if I'm doing anything wrong. And he was like, okay, let's call him and figure this out. And I was like, all right, how about this? We say, I know that there are things that you're not bringing up because we're focused on me right now. But right now I'm at a place where you can start to tell me things. And if it's too much, I'll let you know. But, you know, I'm sure there are things going on with you, so feel free to let it out. And as soon as I did that, yeah, then I found out all of the things, you know, mm-hmm. it was fucking miserable on her part and like having to be strong for all of that. And so, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't as intense on your end, but did you guys have that kind of conversation? Yeah. Well, and Annie, are, Annie and I are really, really good at communicating with each other. Um, so I even like as soon as I noticed even without her saying anything to me, I instantly was like, girl, I am so sorry because I have been such a shitbag for probably at least a year. I was like, if not longer. And I don't know how you didn't like confront me about this and why you just kind of like let it go. And her thing is just like, you were so busy. You're so driven. Mm. Like you have these goals. I want you to achieve them too. I want you to be happy. So I was like, you're right and die. Like, I'm going to be there by your side and I'm going to make sure that, like, I help you get to your goal. But next time, remember that I'm not just your friend and I'm not your assistant. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I was more so treating her like, hey, you're like my personal assistant. Make sure that you make that poster for me. Don't forget to make that post, you know. And now... After everything and how everything's kind of like going back to normal a bit here. Mm-hmm. For now. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, I am trying to be a lot more of like, we are a team. So, yes, she still makes like posters for her shows. And like, um, she asked me to do things for her. I ask her to do things for me. But it's more of like a team effort. Sure. Where we're equals versus me being like 
do it for me now. I yeah. need it now. It's so tough to... Another thing is that I say all the time, and I apologize to listeners, but there's probably new listeners because Adrian's on. Mm-hmm. But um, stupid people lack the capacity to recognize that they're stupid. That uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. So when you're too deep into something, there's no way for you to even... The only way that you could know anything was going on is if something major happened or if somebody told you. What you do with that information afterwards really determines what kind of person you are. I'm not saying like that's an excuse, but to mm-hmm. give yourself some grace to be like, there's no way you like could have known or like were intentionally like neglecting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just such a weird thing. <laughs> Also gross. What are you doing? I'm so sorry. I'm a smoker <laughs> and I have a smoker's cup. How come you don't vape? <laughs> I don't like vapes. Why? I, I don't know. Actually, I, I don't like all of the flavors. And oh, fuck people the are like, oh, you can just get ones that taste like your cigarettes. But then I'm like, am I going to turn into that person that vapes all the time? Because I can? Because it's in my hand? And you can do it inside. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what's better for me, to be honest. Well, I will say that in Europe, the government will pay for you to vape instead of smoke cigarettes. Oh, that's a big deal. So it's kind of a crisis. I know. And you know that I tried to quit. I do know that. And it did not go well. <laughs> I don't know how, like... I give all the props to people that can quit smoking because I am not okay. I get physically ill. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you do go through withdrawals because you're introducing not necessarily like the same dopamine rush that you get when you drink, but a similar amount. And it hits, I forget what other section of your brain nicotine hits, um, but depending on your tolerance it be, it becomes associated with things. So like for me, it was associated with, because when I was in treatment, all of the good ideas were happening out in the smoking pit. And it also symbolizes like for five minutes, you're not doing anything but smoking. I know. It's a break time. Mm-hmm. No, like I can't go inside. I can't come inside. I'm smoking a cigarette. I can't. I can't come inside. (laughs) But yeah, no, exactly. And it's, especially for someone like me, I'm like, I'm smoking right now. Just give me a minute. Yeah. You know, it's a nice excuse to have, but it's really bad for me. I wonder if that's how people with IBS feel. (laughs) You know what I mean? I am literally <laughs> shitting right now. Uh, I will be in in a minute. Ah, okay. But yeah, no, like for real, I actually really want to quit. It's just really hard to do in like the environment that I work in, especially when like everyone I work with smokes. Mm-hmm. So that makes it really hard. Okay. So I'm glad that things are better. With, yeah. What, it's still what was like her pretty name? hard. Angela? <laughs> Angela? Is that what her name is? Ange? Ashley? I don't know. It's too Anita. Many <laughs> Anita Meyer. Yeah. That actually flows pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been it's been 
hard still to kind of like get back into the flow of everything. Um, oh, that's what I was going to ask. So have you pumped the brakes now that things are normal? I don't know how to. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's really my biggest problem. The most that I've done is I I realized that I am now 31. I'm going to be 32. And like we need to start caring a little bit more about an actual savings. Oh, my God. I <laughs> you know? know, which is like mm, I hate it. Yeah, because I'm so used to like the 25 year old mind of like, I have money and I'm going to spend it. Mm-hmm. Um, that J.G. Wentworth commercial. Yeah. That's my money. And I need it now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I just want like a boat today. <laughs> um, but it made me be because of that. I was like, OK, maybe I need to pump the brakes a little bit on performing as much as I have been, because as much as I love to perform, Guests performing in different like towns obviously cost money. Mm-hmm. You're traveling. Um, you definitely are probably going to have a few drinks because you're there. Of course. You're hanging out with your friends. And it's been really hard for me to turn down shows because that was something where like that was my goal, right? I wanted to perform. I wanted to perform every weekend. Like I wanted to po- perform like at least twice a week. And now to be like, but financially, it's better for me to, you know, like actually work. That's why so many open <laughs> micers drop off is because we especially like. I mean, traveling to the cities, mm-hmm. like the people that go from Keller to back to the cities, it's absolute madness. Yeah. Like so few of those individuals are getting shows save for like, you know, like the James Stanley's and Zach Ashton's like. They have an audience in St. Cloud, so that's cool. Mm. But like a lot of these other kids, I hate to say kids, but I'm fucking old. So we can call them babies. They're babies. <laughs> well, yeah, when I meet a comedian that's 19 years old, I'm like, what the fuck are you yeah. talking about? Are you allowed in here? <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Um, but yeah, I, it's you just you get this drive because you want to see. I mean, I'm sure there's an overlap in what types of shows work in different scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, do you do you adjust your show based on? Does that make sense? Like, a, yes. And I mean, I think a a big part of that is kind of like, like where I'm traveling to. So yeah, um, there are certain shows that I will never turn down. Um, because the money is too good and you kind of once you like get to a point in those specific places um you can kind of like do whatever you want and it's Mm. like at that point it's not proving yourself anymore like you have like regular people that are going to come out to like see you so you get like you feel a little better you know a lot of the times when you're performing in the cities yeah like you're surrounded by other performers that are more than likely your friends at this point and like you you've done the work to kind of like get some people there like from from St. Cloud like bring them with me um but i always feel like there's something that you need to prove yeah you know especially with the type of introduction it's like nikita cat the one pussy that can't be tamed <laughs> the producer of the vendetta vixens and nikita's kittens in st cloud and then you're like oh god damn it all i did was 
bring my Helga Pataki act for this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, there's like a, a lot of pressure. Um, but I've had to sacrifice Oops, that. Sorry. sorry. No, no, sorry. no. That was, Hello? I accidentally Hello? tipped the <laughs> levels down a wee bit too much. Okay. Keep going. But yeah, I've had to sacrifice, um, doing shows like just a little bit too, just because out of when like the COVID protocols and all of that were happening, um, the bar did need me a lot more. Like, oh yeah. I had to come up with our whole like protocol work book thing and yeah, no, all the new rules and making sure that like everyone's following all of the new guidelines what and are they called SOPs. Yeah. And uh it was a lot of work and I felt very guilty if I would leave to go do shows and perform anywhere else. So I kind of created a rule for myself of like if I do anything out of town for myself that is going to make me take off work I get two of those. Mm. And that also means I could choose a concert. I can choose to perform. I can choose a wedding. I can choose whatever I want. But I get two of those a month. Okay. Really, I know I should have more. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all I really have. Well, and it's a weird feeling like when, when you start to do that for long enough, you start to appreciate other shit more like i absolutely love being home i love doing stand-up but i love being in this office and the kids can come and see me whenever they want or we can watch a movie like you just start to it's so like important things that didn't always feel easy Mm -hmm. and now they do and the fact that like because i would you know I would go to Keller every Wednesday and things wouldn't always be great with the kids. Like maybe they were in an argument or something and I'm like, all right, well, I got to go drink and hang out with friends and talk on stage for five minutes. Like it just doesn't feel worth it. Yeah. And and then it makes this thing now feel like really feel good Mm -hmm. rather than I'm missing out on something. Yeah, it feels special. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like the longer you do that, the more you're like, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. this is like my favorite time now and I'm trying to do more things where it's like I know that I deserve a lot more me time a lot more like self-care time and that doesn't mean sitting on the couch and laying there and watching a show all day and taking three different naps in that one day (laughs) oh I thought you were going to say three different edibles (laughs) no no. that to me is like (laughs) I'm crashing and that's me like hiding in my cocoon of anxiety Okay. because typically, um, I don't know. Do do you have anxiety? Are you kidding? Well, I mean, most people have anxiety, but are you like diagnosed like high anxiety? Yeah, man. Okay. So So I have, um, massive depressive disorder. I have anxiety and then I have, uh, I hypomania. Mm -hmm. So it's like, just just outside of being bipolar, but basically bipolar. So you probably get this feeling then sometimes mm-hmm. when it's like a day where you're not really like you don't really have to do anything and you're sitting there and you're kind of blanking out because you just like, you know, you don't have to do anything. So you're blanking out, but you feel your body like tingle a little bit and you can feel like the anxiety like rise and your like blood pressure like rise probably a bit. 
that's when I lay down and I'm like, go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. That just happened to me. So I had banked a bunch of these episodes, right? And I did that so that I could like... Because dude absolutely is so much work on the editing side of things. I mean, like you can see Danny Glover getting edited onto the (laughs) King of Spain right now. Like I do shit like that every week. And I had kind of gotten lazy and then I didn't have anybody. So I finished editing all of the episodes and I'm just standing there like, "Hmm. I don't have anything to do. So then what do I do? I'm like, well, let's do two podcasts in one day just to fucking offset that weird ass feeling Mm -hmm. because I don't like feeling like it's funny like I'm perceived as like kind of a lazy like easy going person I don't think you're perceived as lazy well I mean I am wearing Crocs with socks so that's just not stylish (laughs) (laughs) but I mean like so I or like the things that I do are typically fun things perceived as fun things yeah so it doesn't People assume that it doesn't feel like work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is fulfilling to like get shit done and get these timelines done. But I also, I'd rather feel like I'm ahead of the thing than like I'm, there's nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I'd rather be, oh, I've, I've got two episodes done. So I have more, I don't have to like rush the next thing that I'm going to do. That's weird because I'm the opposite. Ah, yeah. And I don't know if it's because I'm so used to having the pressure and having to finish things so quickly. And like you, you have to stay up. You're only going to sleep for three hours. Of course. Like what? 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 Duh. And I love the rush of that. Yeah. And I love complaining about it. Oh my God. Which is such a problem. But I love being like, oh, I was up so late last night, rhinestoning for the show tomorrow. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so freaking funny. Kim is busy as fuck. And yeah, she'll complain about stuff too. And I'll be like, well, let me do this. She'll be like, yeah, every time I'm like, <laughs> No, every there's at least like 20 people that are like, well, what can we do to help you? Nothing. Nothing. I have to do it on my own. Oh, my God. That's so funny. But that's also me just being a control freak. And I'm very like I I like things done and I absolutely hate getting yelled at. And when someone comes to me and is like well this isn't good enough because this person did it instead of you that's when I instantly like shut down and I'm like now I have to do it all who the fuck is brave enough to come up to you and yell at you well like there are also people in charge of me I mean but are there (laughs) yes (laughs) I I do get a paycheck there there are people in charge of me (laughs) so (laughs) so yeah like I I think that's why I have a bit of a control organization uh problem (laughs) at my own like workplace at the carpet because I'm very like things have to get done and if they don't get done right it all comes back on me and the last thing I can ever handle is an insult because that'll cripple my soul and I will be in bed for a week. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. 
And okay, don't get me wrong. I'm working and I get called a bitch all the time. Like this is like very normal. People are disrespectful. You're working in a bar, right? Yeah. Like people are yelling at you. I've gotten called a bitch. I've gotten called like the worst bartender in the world. I've had people <laughs> spit on me or try to get physical. Like these are all things that happen. Not all the time though. Um, the fuck is going on out there? I don't know. The dog's having a good time though. But but yeah, like those things don't bother me so much because I'm kind of like immune to that. Right. Um, also, not getting complimented is okay with me too. I'm not someone that needs full affirmation and I don't need people to tell me that I'm doing a good job because I know I'm doing a damn good job. Oh. And I know that when I look at how much money I've made and whether that's my shift, whether that's tips from my performance, you know, yeah, like that's I that's how I know that I'm doing a good job. But it's the insults. It's the well, um, that could have been better. Or, hmm, you've seemed a little out of it. Like, do you think you could get your head back in the game? Who the fuck? Or, like, stuff like that is what what triggers me to more so have, like, an episode of, like, now I hate myself. Well, now I'm Now furious. I, like, really, like, you know. Okay, well, when we're done recording, you're going to have to tell me who the <laughs> we'll, fuck we'll this person is. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Okay. Um, so... It's so funny. I did this with Robert too, where like I have the thing that I want to talk about, but I I don't want to. I didn't want to jump right into it. Um, did you grow up in St. Cloud? No. Where did so like? Are you from Minnesota? I I was born in California. Okay. And then I moved to Minnesota when I was eight. So I don't really like remember much about California at all. Okay. To be honest, um, I mean like enough. Sure. But I was still a kid. Um, moved to Minnesota when I was eight. Moved to Rochester. And then from there, moved to Waconia. And that's where I did the majority of my growing up. That's ah. why I am. How, how long I were am. you in Rochester for? Two years. Okay. It wasn't very long at all. How old were you there? Um, It was second, wait, third and fourth grade. Oh, okay. So yeah. Not that big. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it was still um cuz like that town there is so much fucking there's so many go- like gaudy and like hoity toity people it's it's very weird because i went from like being young in california growing up in salinas everyone was mexican i was like full on in diversity i think there was like one person that was white in our entire class Um, and so that wasn't, it wasn't weird for me. That's what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Rochester, same exact thing. It was actually very diverse where I went to school. I went to Elton Hills. Um, so I don't, again, I don't really know Rochester very well. Okay. So I don't know how things are split up throughout there, but, um, it was very diverse. Interesting. I mean, there were a lot more white kids than what I was used to, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it was still pretty diverse. And then I moved to Waconia, where I was the diversity, which was really mm-hmm. weird. Now, when you say diversity, you're from Guatemala, right? Oh, of course. Guatemalan no. descent? I'm, I'm half Filipino. So, 
So yeah, even only being half Filipino, I was gonna ask. I so, was like the most diverse. It, it's so funny because people uh, will get Filipino and Hispanic confused. Oh yeah. So I actually get native though because oh, of how ooh. tall I am. Oh. So my dad's a really tall Irish man. And my mom is like this five foot Filipino woman and I somehow am like right in the middle. I'm like almost six feet. Holy my dad's shit. like six four. And um so yeah, a lot of people just think I'm native and really tall and I'm like, I don't get it, but no, I'm not Filipino. <laughs> I get that, but like I guess I never I don't typically associate being tall with being native. These are all white people. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, so, so, you said you're 31? Mm-hmm. Okay. There, so there were still a lot of shitty kids, but I mean, as a child, were you, I'm still new to this term, but mm-hmm. white passing? Okay, you want to know what's weird is that yes and no. So, um, I was like always out in the sun. Always. Okay. I when I was a kid that was like always playing outside. Um, I don't burn. I just get very, very dark. Oh. So in California, I was like super tan all the time. Minnesota, pretty much the same. I would say like I stopped going out in the sun so much when I more so started getting like tattoos. And so oh, okay. I would say that I've become more white passing in like my adulthood. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so it was a little more apparent because, I mean, Minnesota kids were all pasty as fuck. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, wh- so what was that like being the only, you know, POC? It wasn't... I... It wasn't specifically really hard for me. It was really hard for my mom. Having, like, her, like, go get her hair done... And like not like the hairstylist is just like this bratty blonde white chick that's like rolling her eyes and like my mom can see it in the mirror. And it's just one of those things where it's like, mm, like you are assuming mainly like people assuming that my mom was a mail order bride. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is it's pretty common in like like for white people in their like fifties and sixties to all assume that my mom is a mail order bride, but she's not, not at all. Uh, she like came from the Philippines with the majority of her family. Some of her family still stayed in the Philippines, um, when she was 16 legally, um, and lied about her age so she could work full time to support her family and worked in a factory, ended up meeting my dad, because my dad was an engineer for the factory, all under <laughs> My dad still works oh, for that okay. company. Um, they met each other, got married after like four months, or engaged after four months, and they're still together. And yeah, I don't. It's yeah. I'm. That's wild, man. Mm-hmm. But I, the Philippines gets such such a bad rap. Like mm-hmm. I worked with a guy who, which is. I don't think I've ever said this on the show, but there's a there was a guy that I worked with who once a year would fly to the Philippines and stay there for I think two weeks because of the prostitution. Ugh. 
Yeah. And he would go to like the slums of the mm-hmm. Philippines. Like he would like sleep on dirt floors and it's 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 insane. And well, and it's so like like it's a third world country, right? So you yeah. you have these these buildings that are huge and beautiful and it's like an actual city in Manila and then you have the province mm. where it's like people live in huts and there's no running water. So it, it's so like strange that that even exists, right? Yeah. It's wild. And like it's it's cool though like I don't know why like but the Philippines over the last like 2 years I keep seeing more of it. Maybe I'm like sensitive to it because uh I watch Tiger Belly. Maybe. Bob- yeah, you might just be getting like the internet <laughs> the internet's just giving you well, all those videos. But I mean like Netflix had their first like full Filipino gonna, uh, animation. Huh? I didn't know about that. You what? No way. Yeah, I really didn't know. <laughs> I could have sworn I told you about that. Dude, it's insane. It's this like she's this detective. Oh man, it's so fucking cool. And there's it's there's like lore. What is it called? Fuck. The fuck was it called? Trece. Okay, I need to watch it. You can tell that some of the voice actors are Hispanic, which I thought was a little weird. Mm-hmm. But the so they have um I mean obviously you can either watch it in English dub or you can watch it in native Filipino. And but it's yeah, it was this comic book that was created um in the Philippines and then yeah, Netflix swooped it up and turned it into a show. It's fucking rad. Yeah, I need to check that out. Check that out. But also like Disney they just did Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh my god. So I was like, I was watching it and I was like, is this chick Filipino? And but everything's like very fantasy, right? Like they have like this fantasy world and all that. And Annie's like, she does kind of seem Filipino though, right? And I was like, yeah. And so we looked it up and they pretty much like the whole movie's inspired on Filipino culture. Yeah. So I was like, that's really dope too. So it's nice becoming a little more visible. Yes. Um, and then maybe people will stop being like, "Oh, have you ever eaten dog <laughs> or cat or things like that?" That is, yeah, because those like those are the super offensive comments. That plus asking like, "Oh, are you a mail order bride?" I mean, and it doesn't get any better with fucking ninety day fiance. Like, no, the, no, the like. The fact that people watched that so much and like hyped it up so much without recognizing all of the problems that were associated (laughs) with that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like the way that that guy would talk to her and oh my God, it's it's horrifying to imagine your daughter is (laughs) like. They do it for money. Yeah. To send back home to their family. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't imagine hoping that my daughter aspires to get married to somebody in a. To an average American man. Mm hmm. Yeah. Ugh. I know. It's insane. Not even like a super wealthy one. No. Like, just like, oh, just an average, average Joe. Well, <laughs> speaking of Joe, Joe Coy did a, a comedy special in the Philippines and did like a whole. 
a whole thing. Um, I'm glad he's blowing up. Yeah. And Asian, like Filipino cuisine is beginning to be like a lot more well known too. Yas? Mm hmm. Not yet here, here, but. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Mm hmm. Um, so, I mean, so growing up, were you picked on at all? I would say that it was probably, it, it wasn't because of my race. Okay. So I want to definitely say that because I would say that I had very high social anxiety. Oh. And um, it was also one of those things where Waconia is a very wealthy town. And yes, we were able to live there and we like lived in a beautiful home, but we're also still a family of six. I have two younger brothers and an older sister. Holy shit. So... It's not like I have all of the money. Right. And so it was more so like almost like classist. Yeah. Versus really like me experiencing racism. Yep. But I mean, I feel like that's just as bad Mm -hmm. because there's all of these assumptions. Yeah. And my parents were like working so hard and they're the they're the fucking best. Okay, they really are like they're really, really great and were very encouraging and wanted me to do all of the activities that I wanted to do. Um, And I really kind of was like, I found the one thing I was good at, which was singing and show choir. And I was like, this is it. And this is how I'm going to be that underdog and like reach the top of it, which is where I was like, I'm going to work really really hard and oh my god i was so bad i was so bad at dancing like i had a sh- the choreographer threw a shoe at me because i was so bad oh my god like, i was bad and uh i somehow went from being the worst dancer to coming home after dance classes and dancing for another like three to five hours to make sure that i was perfect the next day for when we would go again uh-huh. to then my junior year being dance captain Fuck yeah. So when I say I want something, I really want it and I'm going to work like hard for it. But with that, that also didn't make me the most popular gal in school. (laughs) Think of me as more of like the Rachel Berry. Okay. So like if we're bringing Glee into it, Uh I was the Rachel Berry. I'm going to be lead for like the musicals. I got the solos I wanted. And this was like everything I was putting my time and energy to. And I dated the football captain. Really? But it was the most worst relationship I could probably have ever been in that really formed how I acted for the rest of my relationships up until Annie. Well, that's the other thing I was going to ask, too, is like, so the the comment, one of the comments that I, I remember you saying, so I... I feel like, so a lot of this show is like confronting like trauma stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that I've heard you say that I, like it, I they just logged in the back of my head where I'm like, why? So like when, because at one time you told me that um, you would, you gotten to a point to where when you were having sex with men, like you were just waiting for it to be over. Yeah. And I mean, like, do you remember when that started or was it like? Well, 
So if we go from that first relationship, well, I mean, I dated guys before, but this was like the first like long term relationship. Um, I was a virgin at the time and everyone knew that we were dating each other, but he was very embarrassed of me where he said that school was for friends. And so to not talk to him at school. Oh my God. Like that's not what we do. We hang out in private, even though everyone knew that we were together. So I wish that I was as confident as I am now in my life. So I could just like then. So I knew how to properly like handle that. Um, well, it, but it seems was, like your your confidence is tied to, or like the story of you, your confidence was tied to some type of performance so that you could, you had the, uh, like in math class when they say like show your work, mm-hmm. like you had all of this proof to back up the fact that you're confident, but you still have that social anxiety. So if you don't have this to utilize, then... How the, where do you find the confidence to be able to deal with shit like that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with all of that, too, he then started telling, like, the entire football team that we were sleeping with each other, which was not cool with me at all because I was like, one, you're not proud of me and you don't want to flaunt me around. Two, he didn't take me to prom. He took someone else when we were together. Three, he gave someone else his homecoming jersey. What the fuck? Yeah, so there were just like so many things where I was like, I don't even know why you're telling people that we're sleeping with each other when you're definitely embarrassed of me altogether. And I don't know why I was so insecure with myself to not end that relationship. But I just wasn't confident. I I wasn't there yet. And I had really bad anxiety that I was not really aware of because no one really talked about it then. Right. Depression, I think, at that time was something that was just starting to be talked about. And they just gave everyone Zoloft. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And oh, my God, the amount of like (laughs) the amount of like people that were trying so many different types of like depression, drugs and all the type of emotional mood swings. Yeah. But then he ended up breaking up with me because I actually wouldn't sleep with him. Okay. And then dated someone else and slept with them like that next week so that like all really stuck with me I dated someone else like halfway through my senior year ended up being with him for about five years whoa um he is someone where he was nice Uh uh-huh he was nice like I don't I don't really have anything bad to say about him I just think I wasn't I wasn't fully ready for a nice, easy ride Uh yet. It was very kind of dull, very boring. He, he like took care of me and this is so bad. Okay. Right. Because like, this is everything every girl should dream of Uh. a guy that's going to take care of her. (laughs) What? But also keep in mind, I am 18. I'm, we're going to two different colleges. Oh, So we're doing long distance. I am like discovering who I am, having a time. Started like kind of realizing that I might be into women at the same time. So overall, we we grew up kind of together, but it just didn't mesh right. Like he ended up moving to St. Cloud. We went to St. Cloud State together. Like he transferred colleges for me. Like Wow. "Mm, I know. It's a lot. 
Um, but after a month of that, it did not work out and we parted ways. And and I'm very happy because it was someone that everyone was like, oh, we thought you were going to marry him. Mm. We thought you were going to have kids with him. He was supposed to be your one. And I am like very happy that we weren't each other's one because he's doing so great now with like some other chick that loves adventuring and all of that stuff. Oh, wow. And I'm doing really great with mine. Yeah. So, but after that, I don't know why it was so soul crushing for me because it was very sad. And maybe it was because of the expectation mm. of everyone saying like, oh, we thought he was your one, right? Mm-hmm. That I then couldn't rely on him anymore. I couldn't rely on him to like feed me, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize I wasn't making enough money to feed me. Well, you also, the way that you're describing the majority of the things that we've been talking about is like you're able to overcome and this is a thing that you couldn't overcome. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure in the back of your mind, like it's it had to have felt kind of like when you, because when you set out to achieve a goal, like you fucking crush it. Mm-hmm. And for this thing to not work out, but I'm me. I yeah. can do anything. And... There there were also some situations in that relationship where we were long distance. He wasn't there all the time. So I I did get assaulted multiple times throughout that. Oh, my God. But it turned into... You would assume that most reactions would be like, what the fuck? I'm going to handle this. But instead, like, his reaction was more of a, oh... You know, so it was just like missing. I don't. Okay, hold on. I, <laughs> I like how you just like swung by the I was assaulted multiple times thing. Like, I know. I don't like to. I'm sure you don't, but mm. I, I think with every, so far, everyone that I've talked to who has been assaulted, which sucks that it's so common. Everyone that has been on this show has been assaulted. Um, actually, everyone but one. But beyond that, in her, like when she, when she said it, she was like, I don't know how I got out of that. Like mm-hmm. she recognized that it totally could have happened at any point. So, I mean, I'm not saying you have to go into detail, but like, did it ruin things that you wanted to do? It ruined a lot of what I thought my life was going to be. Okay. So I so when I was in high school, um, all of my friends were a year older than me. Okay. All of them. And they all graduated. So I'm all alone, my senior year. Right. Sucked. Um still had my shitty boyfriend. <laughs> was like oh thank god for him (laughs) my shitty boyfriend um but i still was like very connected with that entire friend group and a situation happened when i then had this like new boyfriend um where you mind grabbing the top of this thing and just cocking it a little more there you go uh, perfect where um one of the guys like we're all sleeping in in a big bed. Like I 
and we're all friends, so I'm not oh, okay. really thinking of it as anything. But like, I have one of my like best girlfriends on one side, and then one of the guys on my other side, and I get woken up to him like touching me mm-hmm. in like places you sh- shouldn't be. So it was like really fucked up. And I, I like got up cause he was like, Oh, your boyfriend doesn't need to know. He doesn't need to know. Just let it happen. We can do this. And oh I was my like, God. but I'm also like kind of half asleep and I'm just like, no, no, no. And so I got up and I went out to the couch. I told my friend that was sleeping next to me that morning. I don't even know why I stayed. But you know well, what I mean? I mean like it's it throws off your whole thought process. Like like what? I'm going to walk home mm-hmm. from you know what I mean? Like like Robert and I were just talking about this like um when a guy pins a girl down people don't talk about how when that happens they're looking you right in the eye mm-hmm. so when somebody is doing that shit to you they're not like gazing off they're looking right at you and the fear of like you're inches away from me like th- this is you, how do you process that right so i'm sure like how the fuck do you, yeah <laughs> well and then for me to like tell my friends but then be like eh them be like it yeah because like well he's our friend though <sighs> and i'm like no like you guys should like be on my side though but mm-hmm. they're all like no you probably like imagine that like why would he do that and i'm gonna tell you this person has such a clean reputation and had a very good academic reputation in school. So it is something that a lot of people like did not expect. And then we would keep hanging out. So we would keep having like group meetups. And what he would do is we'd be sitting at a table and we'd be surrounded by all of our friends. And he would just put his hand in my crotch. And I'm like there trying to act like nothing's happening And I don't know how to like properly react to it, but all of our friends are right there too. And why I didn't say anything, why I didn't scream, I have no idea. Still doesn't make it okay. Well, I mean, you're, you already have one example of your friends not backing you. Mm -hmm. So what, what is it going to help? How do you know? How do you know that they're going to be supportive or if they're going to tell you that you're doing something wrong? Yeah. You're asking for it. This is what you wanted, right? (sighs) So after it happening, honestly, it probably had to have happened more than five times at least with the same person, because every time like it like as it kept happening, I would just like let it happen at a point because I was like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I just cut all of them out. So at a point I was like, no, I'm just like not going to talk to any of you anymore. And that was after my freshman year of college. Um, yeah. So I just cut them all out, which is really weird because they were my closest friends and they were people that I thought I would have in my life for forever. Yeah. So, but it also fucked me up a bit because then from there you're like, you're also in school, right? So I don't have parents watching me. I'm going to go out and drink. 
Um, I've never drank so much where I'm like, it felt like it was a problem to me, but I started smoking way too much weed Mm. where it was like so much where I can't even function to go to classes. I was just in college and enrolled in classes and I don't even know for what reason I wasn't going to them. I wasted probably over tens of thousands of dollars on even going to school. Yeah. Well, I mean, so do you think that you were doing that to cope with, cause I'm sure anxiety comes with that. Like mm-hmm. I don't have any friends. So what, like if I don't have anything to do, what do I do? I just sit in the dark by myself or what the fuck? Well, and okay. So like going back to where that one high school boyfriend and me and him like broke up and now I'm realizing like, Oh, I'm just working at little Caesars. Okay. I'm just working at little Caesars. I have to pay rent. I have to pay electric. Um, my parents at the time, like they, I was not going to ask them for money. Like they weren't in a position to loan me anything. And this is something where like, they definitely don't know that I did this and I don't want them to know that I did this because it would probably hurt them so much. But well, well I mean I can blocked cut it. on Facebook. Oh. Just, <laughs> just but okay. like um I would be like, how am I going to feed myself? I am going to find someone that I feel like comfortable enough with that I can have a one night stand with and I know that they're going to feed me see okay I think that's what that must have been what Mm -hmm. I was remembering okay and I don't consider it like full sex work because I wasn't like oh uh, but it's a (laughs) but but sex work act possibly is the right term if if you're doing it to um like for to sustain yourself then i would say it's mo- the there's different degrees of it right there's mm-hmm. those that do it out of desperation there's people that do it now because it's like this freedom thing where they don't actually have to interact with these pieces of shit like they can just get their money and yeah and not have to worry about it but the un- like and I feel like I hear this a, a lot from people in St. Cloud too. Like people keep trying to say St. Cloud is rad, but God damn it. There's so much wrong with it too. And oh yeah. It drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like Kim and I, like Kim works there, but we barely ever go to St. Cloud mm-hmm. just cause I get. It's really who you surround yourself with and what you make out of it. That's the only way you can really enjoy yourself in that town. Well, but it, it shouldn't be so common. I shouldn't be like, I know three people who did almost the exact same thing mm-hmm. that you did. That It just shouldn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? There should be, I don't know. It, it tears me the fuck up. <laughs> I well, mean, that's why the whole Johnny Crutches thing happened is because I'm like, it's fucking 2019. Why? Why would this shit be happening? Mm-hmm. Well, and men also still feel very entitled to feel like women owe them a conversation. Oh, my God. No matter where it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I could literally be talking to one of my friends and you're just going to interrupt. 
And like, I wouldn't do that to you. If and you then, were out and having a dinner. you're a bitch. Yeah. Because. <laughs> because, because I tell you, um, actually, like, can you not though? So, so I was smoking a lot of weed and then also went into doing a lot of like ecstasy and molly and then that's when i started doing like dabbling in acid and mushrooms and like everything so really my like my 18 to 20 that was all from 18 to 20 yeah was not like a super proud (laughs) time in my life (laughs) i don't know if I don't know if you need to associate pride or shame with that. Right. You know what I mean? Because what the fuck are you supposed to do? If you have these examples of friends who are not going to back you when you absolutely need them. Mm-hmm. And th- so far they've proven to be good people. Why now? Why now in the most important instance are you being like this? Well, and also assault happening so much not only just with that one person i'm sorry the mic moved again can you hello i don't know what the fuck is going on that one does it all the time i'm a hand and like jumper so i think that's okay okay okay, okay. but i was like i was assaulted by women too and nothing um those situations where i was like sleeping with guys and then they would take me out to dinner and sometimes I wouldn't even sleep with them. Sometimes I would just like be like, Oh, I fell asleep. Oh, okay. Um, but then the next morning would feel like I owed them something Mm -hmm. and would kind of just like, fine, I'll just do it because I feel like I have to. Those situations to me felt very safe. So I don't want you to think that that is associated with the assault that I'm talking about. Yeah. But the, like the environment like for i don't know you should never feel like you owe someone that yes exactly that's that's the thing that like i hate that people like in these situations are are like i how how aware were these men of your situation i don't think they were okay Mm mm-hmm so it's different in that sense. And it almost felt like a little bit more like I had control of it. Okay. I had control of that situation and I'm never going to text you again, but you think I'm going to. Okay. You think that this meant more than what it actually means. Okay. But so, and that's the weird thing is where like, I get how you could feel like, you were taking advantage of them, but if they knew why, I'm sure, uh, hopefully, right? Hopefully they'd be like, fuck, I didn't realize you were, why didn't you just hopefully tell me? Hopefully they would have been like, no, why are you even? Oh, well, but, but, or just be good people and be like, oh, dude, let's just fucking, let's go hang out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that would have been the case. And either. that's what sucks. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. I just don't I don't I can't wrap my head around it it like there are certain random things that like didn't even weren't even things until like five years ago that when I was younger were like super upsetting to me and I just could never understand it mm-hmm. like 
I dated a girl who the principal, uh, or no, no, not the principal, the liaison said that she was dressed like a slut. And so they grabbed an extra large shirt, the most clownish fucking shirt and made her wear it. Oh my God. And she bawled and went home. And this was a time, I mean, you know, 2003, 2004, people were- Yeah, you were able to say that. Yeah, people could still say that shit. Kim Mm -hmm. had teachers say shit like that to her. Like, Mm -hmm. it it just didn't connect with me. Like, what, do you think you're doing that girl a favor? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I could not wrap my head around it. So like, just shit like that just kept happening. And I would be like, why? And it would make me feel like I was a crazy person because everybody else was like, well, I mean, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? Or Right. I just don't understand it. It's fucking insane to me. Well, and I don't want this to come off either as like, you shouldn't be proud of sex work if you are a sex worker because there are some sex workers where I'm like, you get it. Like, this is what you love. Well, that's why I covered that beforehand just to make sure that like. Yeah, like. Yeah, there's different domains of why people mm-hmm. are doing it. Mm-hmm. completely and For i sure. don't think anybody would ever think especially you like you're such a supportive individual that like anybody if you think that she's not supportive of sex workers <laughs> you go fuck yourself because she's supportive of sex workers i am i am <laughs> also literally go fuck yourself you, what are you doing yeah go have a time go take a shower <laughs> chris can tell you all about that later yeah <laughs> um so yeah yeah that was I mean, okay. Okay. So how long how long did this go on for? Um well, probably a year. Too long. Until I it was too long. And like really I was just so comfortable at my job, which is a part of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. You get so comfortable at your job, you don't want to leave it, even though it's a shitty job. Working at Little Caesars was a shitty, shitty job. I'm sure it paid what, like seven twenty five. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and it was fun because of the people that I worked with, but other than that, like, no, why why was I there? So it really didn't stop until I got a new job. And I started working at Saudi and that was when I first got my serving experience. And that's how I got into like customer service industry, all that stuff. Okay. Was and Annie working there at the same time? No. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you get her the job there? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> now that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so a common thing that I hear too is that at a certain point, sex becomes a thing that happens to you. Rather than something that you get to do. Mm-hmm. Do you like, do you remember, like, did you feel like disassociated from the act until you found like a, a good relationship? You know what I'm well, trying to something say? Something that I realized now as an adult, like looking back at everything, um, I was never really sober. Oh, like while that was going yeah. on? Yeah. And and then if I did have sober sex, it was like, eh. And right. I was never really like fond of penetration at all, really. Um, I'm more of like a foreplay gal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I have always like found women attractive. And I remember telling myself like, 
in high school too, like, oh, you're not gay. But I'm like, why am I even saying that to myself? <laughs> like, what, what are you even saying? Um, but I would have to like convince myself, like, you're not gay. Okay. You don't like yeah. girls. Like, what are you doing? Um, it wasn't until college where drunken house parties, all your girlfriends want to make out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when I started being like, oh. And then I started getting like semi-physical with like one girl specifically who was also kind of figuring out her sexuality at the same time. Um, I think we were a really good experiment for each other. Sure. Honestly, to kind of like figure out who we were. Um, But yeah, so that's when I kind of figured out like, okay, I think I'm actually like into both. Like I'm, I'm bi, I'm under like the bi umbrella. Sure. Pretty much. Um, Well, I don't know why, but whenever I think of you, I always think of, I I don't know, I never know where to put the title queer, mm -hmm. but I feel like you queer. Yeah. (laughs) I'm queer. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess I've never really fully enjoyed having sex with men. Sorry, exes. What you gonna do about it, though? Like, I never really did. And I think that there's a reason why I was, like, fucked up every time I would be like, yeah, we're going to have sex now. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, so the, that disassociation thing, like. But it doesn't mean that I don't find men attractive because I still do. I think men are also very pretty. That's so funny. That's the thing that I do. I go, that that's a hot dude. Yeah. Like, like you can appreciate like yeah, a for good sure. looking person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I, I'm sure I've told you this story before, but like when Kim and I were separated, it was because I, I couldn't tell what the difference was. Like recognizing that someone was attractive. Does that mean that I'm attracted to them? Oh. So it was like this whole thing. Mm-hmm. One dude sucked on my neck and grabbed my dick. And I was like, it felt like all of these bells went off. <laughs> Like there is a bunch of straight dudes on a fire truck going, dude, we're not gay. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Not into it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So now like, but okay. In that time frame, because we're not super close or far off in age. So mm-hmm. you, you were going through that when it was still pretty unacceptable. Oh like, yeah. Or it was borderline. It depend on, depended on oh, what yeah. town you were in. Like, I think it was kind of around that time, like when I was 21 was when gay marriage became legal in Minnesota, in only Minnesota. Right. I think. Wow. Rob and I were trying to figure that out. Was it 2012? No, it would have been 2011, 2012. Holy shit. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, there were people having straight pride rallies. Oh, yeah. ah! That, but it was okay. I remember being at biology. So the gay bar that we used to have in St. Cloud, um, when it was announced and like me still being like super baby queer and being like, (laughs) I think Megan Fox is really hot, but I like love dudes. (laughs) Um, looking around at all my gay friends and being like, I'm so happy for you. Oh, wow. Because I didn't fully know what I was at that time. And, and 
so many people ask me and I'd just be like, I don't know. Uh, was your mom Catholic? Oh, yeah. So then. the OK, so I'm like, I'm 21. I'm exploring my sexuality. I went to my mom once and I was like, hey, I think I'm I'm bisexual. <laughs> and she goes, no, you're not. And then I dated a dude a week later. So, so I mean, she just thought I was joking. And I was like, okay. And um, then me and him ended up breaking up. And I started, like, getting really into drugs again. So, I, like, started really, like, hitting Molly in ecstasy at least, like, three times a week. Um, also, while Annie all of a sudden popped up. Mm. So, Annie came out of nowhere. I was like who's this chick? I just started working at the red carpet and um, she, she would just pop up here and there and she'd be like, I think you're so cute. And I'd be like, Oh, you're so tiny. Okay. <laughs> okay. Lesbian. <laughs> this lesbian's obsessed with me. <laughs> and also she keeps doing impressions of Ellen. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> And then she looked at my phone and she was like, why is the background of your phone Megan Fox? And I was like, I don't know. I find her attractive. <laughs> and then I walked away. It's like you went to gay confession. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, she confronted me outside. Confronted um, you? Yeah. Because she was like, all right, what are we doing? She was like, you know, I'm into you. You'll text me when you're working. And I was like, yeah, because like. I want someone to sell drinks to. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, like, I still come out and I like, we talk sometimes. I don't know if you're into girls. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I told her, I was like, you know, I am kind of into women, but I was assaulted by a, like the last woman I was like with assaulted me. Fuck. And so I was like, I don't feel comfortable being with a woman and I don't think I'm ever going to be ever again. I mean, so was this this woman your friend first? Yeah. And then so like I'm sure you like confided in her some of the shit you were going through and mm -hmm. then she just took advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Fuck. So <laughs> then um. I was high one night. All right. So, so I was like, oh, very much so on ecstasy and Molly and wasted and on pot. But were you drinking pot. water? No, <laughs> I didn't eat. I'm, I think I also did cocaine that night. I definitely should have overdosed that night for sure. I was beyond fucked up. I'm at biology and it's, ironically their edm night it's like it was made for me okay so i i go out there and i am just getting it no one's there i am getting it by myself and like my two friends that are with me <laughs> annie shows up and because i am so high i think that one of my friends is hitting on annie and I move her out of the way and I push her out of the way and I grab Annie and I'm like, no, she's mine and she's my girlfriend and you don't get to talk to her. 
she's with me. And then I look at Annie and I'm like, we're girlfriends now. And Annie's like, oh, my God. Because Annie was oblivious, didn't know that I even was like doing and dabbling with the ecstasy um, and other drugs. So she was like, talk to me when you're sober tomorrow. So that next day, I didn't sleep. Worst come down of my life. I definitely like was not okay. Then was texting her and she was like, you were so fucked up last night. I don't know if you remember what you said to me. And I was like, I do remember. And she was like, did you mean it? And I was like, I do. And then she said, well, then now you have to make a choice because it's either me or the drugs. So pick what you want. Wow. So that was the last time I did any of the drugs. Well, wait a second. What about the see you at, at see you at gym class? Oh, I mean, like that was in between there, but I didn't want to have to tell her whole love story over again. <laughs> <The> gym, <laughs> I mean, it's like of all the things I've ever recorded, I just looked again randomly, like mm-hmm. at the old episodes, and. That one had another spike and got like 200 more downloads randomly. Oh, damn. People like the gay love. I mean, it's one of the funniest stories ever. It, it Yeah, it See is. See you, gym class. I mean, just could you do like a brief? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you know how like <laughs> she confronted me outside? Yeah, yeah. I just talked about that. So I just told her, I was like, I'm not into it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to date a woman. Like, that's just not what I'm going to do. And she was like, okay. So I thought that we had a good understanding of this and that now we were friends. So I started kind of seeing this other guy at Cinco de Mayo. She's sitting on one end of the bar with one of our friends. Um, I'm sitting on the other end of the bar with this guy. We call him Jawline. I don't remember his name, actually. Uh, I was only seeing him for like two weeks. It was literally nothing at this point. And I go down to the bathroom and... Then all of a sudden she goes down to the bathroom and she's already like a bottle of tequila in. And she's like, oh, great. Now you think I followed you in here? (laughs) And I was like, no. And she was like, you just broke my heart. And so it was just really funny because it went from like being very aggressive to like so soft and sad. And I was like, um... I don't understand like how I broke your heart. I thought we were friends. I'm very confused by like all of this. She was like, you knew, you knew I was into you. And I was like, no, like we're friends. That's what we are. And then she pushed me up against the wall and made out with me and then walked up the stairs and said, see you in gym class. (laughs) Like we were lesbians hiding in the corner in the high school uh, art building. Oh my god! Art room. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just I can see her doing it, and I that's know. what makes it even better. Like, did she have the same hairstyle? No. So at the time, her hairstyle was a little more punk, like shaggy in the front. Yeah. Yeah. That actually makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Like it's. Oh, I just fucking love that so much. So I mean. Um, when you did, you know, that relationship finally started, was it tough to adjust to? Um, you know what I mean? Because you'd been through so much shit 
And then now you finally have somebody who like really cares. And to be completely honest, I thought our relationship was going to last a week. (gasps) I even remember telling my roommates. So I was so fucked up last night that I asked Annie to be my girlfriend. And I don't know how this is going to go. So I bet it only lasts a week or two. Okay. And here we are. (laughs) So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that had to have been, it's a, it's a cool thing because like Kim used to point this out all the time. Like, oh, I'm your, I'm the first girl you went to Vegas with. I'm the first girl that you did this with. Mm -hmm. So like as an adult getting to experience these first time things and with somebody that you actually give a shit about is such an amazing feeling like it's so that like you two together and I know like this is the type of I mean you're disgusting so. I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I've been hacking the whole time. um like it was aggressive at first because I can spot like genuine people really quickly and I pretty aggressively try to be their friend And similar to you, like in the, like you accomplish a thing. And so you're able to show your work, right. Mm -hmm. And be like, yeah, I fucking did this with me. I have to be like, what talents do I have that I can trick these people into being my friend? (laughs) So I'm always like, let's do a photo shoot. (laughs) Like, I know we just met and I can't say that, like, I can tell you guys would be like incredible friends to have. So like, it's just such I I know that like that ball of weirdness can be super aggressive. And hey, I feel same. <laughs> same. And have you met Annie? Well, that's the right. thing is like I felt like I completely threw her off because it was so much. And at that time like you got I mean you still have it now but like you have uh, like a genuine fan base for Nikita Kittens. Mm-hmm. And so there are people that will recognize you that you don't necessarily know. That's true. She probably was really like, who the hell is this weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> he saw the show. He wants to do a yeah. fucking photo shoot. Yeah, no, that... Mm-hmm. That is probably what she thought. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, But I mean, like... So when I'm describing that stuff, like seeing other people be genuinely happy and genuinely in love is something that I just am so desperate to be a part of because I love when people are happy. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I feel bad that like every time I talk to you guys, it's always in the form of like, do a podcast or do a this. No, don't feel bad. <laughs> really, like do not feel bad. I've come to the conclusion in like this last year that it is a lot of work to feel um, to feel like obligated to check in on people that you might not even have like that type of relationship with. Like, you know how everyone has a very core set group of people, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, You know who you are. (laughs) Uh, But... I don't think it's anyone's responsibility to check in on me. It is not your responsibility to check in on me. And if I ever messaged you, 
in two months from now and we haven't even talked and I'm like how dare you I was going through the worst time of my life and you didn't even reach out that is so selfish okay you know I, yeah yeah, like, yeah. That is, okay I think that's very like selfish of people to assume that and a lot of people do that yeah for a sure. lot of people do that yeah that's really interesting because I'm on yeah I'm on the opposite end of it where like I yeah, but it's part of like my codependency thing where mm-hmm. I feel and this is the part of my codependency that I'm fine with. Part of my codependency that I got rid of was like the self-righteous bullshit. Part of the reason why I got put on blast by fucking those jackasses at the whatever what steel toe. Oh yeah, I forgot that existed. I mean, now it just exists on Twitch, so who gives a fuck, but it's just a bunch of I mean I mean it's not people we want to be associated with anyways so we really don't care but and it always tends to be you know those types of people that would put you on blast right of course because deep down they know that they've done a couple of things wrong Mm -hmm. and it's like how dare you point this thing out anyways I don't I don't I don't understand people who like are so steadfast that when they hear new information, they no matter how like rational it sounds, they just go, no way, because that's not me. And this is I'm fucking standing my ground. And it's like, why? why? Did you just have a southern accent? I do that a lot. You just did that while describing a not so great human. <laughs> I feel bad. I do that every time. But I'm, for some reason, there's Minnesotans that adopt the Southern accent anyways, and I don't really understand it. Yeah, I had that problem this last weekend. <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk about but it. were you square dancing? I'm, I'm not going to talk about it because I kind of got in trouble for it. Um, I get that, like... If there weren't so many people with Southern accents doing racist and bigoted shit, I would stop doing it. Mm-hmm. But just like Russians, they're fine. All of your fans from Texas are going to come at you right now. <laughs> they're going to come at you. <laughs> well, I mean, but the the other thing is like that they know somebody oh, that yeah. is that way. That's yeah. the, the shitty yeah. thing. It's changing for sure. Mm-hmm. But also Texas just past that fucking abortion law yeah so it's like hey guys stop giving me ammo to fucking shit on your accent mm-hmm. and also it doesn't necessarily mean you're from texas you could be from alabama <laughs> just as bad because it could be some whiskey <laughs> guy who's like i just don't agree with the gays also i'll have a quarter pounder without the cheese i don't i'm not gay so i don't eat cheese i don't know there's just fucking weird people out there <laughs> yeah the the thing that I am like dying to know though, because so much of, or that I was dying to know was mm-hmm. because you're cast as this boss bitch, badass, like scary, independent woman who don't need no man, literally. <laughs> but like that's thrown at you so much. And I know that, that that's not you that's not all you like 
you're so supportive of people. Like I've watched you take people in who don't necessarily deserve it and you give them second, third, fourth chances. And it's uh, uh, the way that people talk about you, that person wouldn't do those things. So like I, I wanted this opportunity to like show you are, you're not like made of stone. I think people tend to forget that I'm human <laughs> and that I have feelings. Um, but from this angle, you kind of look like Demi Lovato. So like, are you a god? Oh my God. <laughs> what? It's the crystals. Um, but yeah, like I, I think people just think that I just like plopped from outer space and I'm just like this person that showed up out of nowhere and I'm just here to run shit. Like, and, and that I just naturally just got it all. And that's not what happened at all. And I've had to put in so much hard work to even get to where I am that I don't even think is very high up there, to be honest. Um, And I started from literally nothing and then trying tried to essentially figure out like how to adapt within like the town of St. Cloud and how to get more involved and how I was able to build things from the ground up. Um, I don't all while figuring out who you were at the same yeah. time. Like so that thing like there's such there are so many aspects of you that like truly are really delicate and even though you're doing these like you know boss bitch things or whatever like there's yeah you just there really is a lot of delicacy to you Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right word because delicacy is like a thing you eat (laughs) there's a lot of fragility handle with care I don't fucking know but I mean I mean that in the sense of like like you were saying, like it didn't come out of like you weren't just born. Yeah, like, like it wasn't that. just like I showed up and they're like, "You're the bar manager. <laughs> Look at you. You own it." Um, no, like I, I had to start from nothing and really like I had to really try and like focus my energy in the right direction too. I know I'm a creative person. I know I'm really diligent. I know that I'm very, very organized. And what was something that I can do to really feel like I'm kind of something, Mm -hmm. especially because college was not for me. I think I was very much so pushed into going to college. Funny story is I actually didn't even apply to college until like mid senior year of high school. And my parents had to sit me down and actually be like, Honey, you know you're not going to be famous, right? Oh. <laughs> like, you know you you have to apply to colleges, right? And I was like, what? Why aren't you getting me an agent? Haven't you guys what? seen Glee? What the Haven't fuck? Haven't you seen how talented I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I was really like pushed into college when when realistically what I wanted to do was like I wanted to be on Broadway. Like I wanted to sing. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so I never finished school. 
surprise, surprise, because I didn't want to go in the first place, you know? Um, and I'm happy for the experiences that I had. I met like a lot of really great people. Sure. Um, I learned a lot of things when it came more so to like my art form, because I also like draw and paint and do printmaking oh, and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Um, but it never quite felt fulfilling enough. It wasn't like what I wanted to do. And I have always said from the beginning that I grew up as an underdog. So I'm always going to root for the underdog and I need to figure out a way to help them. I always want to be the helper and guider. Yeah. Is that, is that why you like the way that Miranda described leaving that one troop, it sounded all, like <laughs> almost like, God, what the fuck is her name? Uh, the Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Julie Andrews? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Julie Andrews fucking on the mountain being like, these are a few of my favorite things. What are yours? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, oh, nobody's ever asked before. Mm-hmm. We're going to follow you to the ends of the earth now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like people forget that part. Like you didn't just say, hey, we're fucking leaving. Mm-hmm. You, you and you. Like you did it in a way that like made sure that these people felt valued and that there was going to be a reason for doing this shit rather than, I mean, the fucking um, old guard bullshit that still happens. Like the whole, it happens a lot in like art industry, I guess not so much anymore, but like trade industry, art industry, there's this, you haven't earned the right to be able to do this thing yet. <sighs> you know what I mean? And it's such a, you haven't earned the right to get paid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to like walk on glass and shit. Mm-hmm. And. Well, and, okay, so <laughs> with with creating the Vixens and then like creating Nikita's Kittens, it was such a thing for me where I was like, we're not cities performers. And as much as some of us do perform in the cities and we're a part of that community, the cities is very loyal to cities performers. Mm. Um, so if their cast is full, their cast is full. And us getting an opportunity to perform out there isn't nearly as likely as someone that is local. Um so I was like creating like these platforms for performers in actual St. Cloud or like Sartell Sock Rapids, like that whole area yeah. is huge because otherwise we might be able to get to perform like twice a year. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and I mean like, so it's, it's funny, like the, the, like your goals and the accomplishment stuff, most of it is tied to other people mm-hmm. in the sense that like, like what do you, what do you do? I mean, I guess you make dice. Yeah, and that's just you. Oh, that's just me. But beyond no, that, yeah. like, don't like everything else seems to be connected to helping other people. Yeah, yeah, and um, honestly, that's even like not even a top priority. 
Like that to me is like last on my list. To help people? No, to to make like oh, dice oh, oh, oh. and like make those things that I do by myself. Ah, oh, okay, I see. Mm-hmm. If I have time to do it, I'll definitely do it. But anyone that has ordered from me knows that like you might get it in a week or I might be so busy that you might get it in a month, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it just really depends. But so, I mean, like, have you recognized that aspect that like what you do, every, everything that you do seems to be like, I know. come on guys, like you're awesome. And I am good at doing this. I'm good at getting the, the stage ready. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'm not going to set you up for failure. Like, I don't know if people convey that to you or how much you recognize, like, the appreciation that these individuals have for you. But it's incredible. Stop. Like. This is what I don't like. This is what. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but. And, and, and it really shouldn't. And that is something that I have talked to with like my therapist because she was like you should be able to accept compliments because you are doing enough and I don't know why you think that you're not but you are but I but you like so not so like the thing like to I'm sure like to how it started which is to showcase these like these people who you believe in Mm -hmm. beyond that like it created this other wave of confidence in women that they didn't know they had. Mm-hmm. So like you've genuinely affected people's attitudes and their confidence level. Like even Kim wanted to do burlesque and like seeing you guys, just seeing you guys doing your shit, like made her feel like empowered. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, a huge deal. Like, so it's, it's beyond like, I think what, what people understand about burlesque like this movement over the last like five years is it it just it makes me feel like really happy Mm -hmm. and to know that somebody like you is working on it for people makes me feel so much better than like the people that are you know just booking random performers just to try and fill a bill and yeah. get money from from the performance like you there's so much thought and heart that goes into it and it's funny that it comes so naturally to you that you're like yeah of course this is just come mm-hmm. on let's go do the thing well and like i love the vixens right been around for forever the cast has been amazing and actually has been pretty set for the last three years which is strange because typically we flip people out here and there Mm -hmm. um but the kittens especially so those are people that come up to me at shows and are like i just want to try it and i'm like okay well if you really mean that send me a message on facebook add him as a friend and i'm like let's chat let's like do a one-on-one meeting i want to know why you want to do this and like let's go from there so that um i will kind of make a little public when I have like one or two spots open, but they get swooped up really, really fast. And um, I make sure to not overload myself, which I have done in the past, especially when like it first started. Um, But those shows specifically are shows that I am so freaking proud of because not only are these performers really like, 
dancing routines that like I have choreographed the majority of. So that alone is something where I'm like, this show's dope. Oh my God, look at them do all these great things. But also a lot of the times people want to do burlesque and want to get up on that stage because they're having self-confidence issues and they're feeling really insecure. And to see the smile as soon as they're off the stage just melts my heart every time. Like it is the most like like, gratifying feeling. It is the cutest thing to see them get off the stage and just be like in a ball of sweat and they're just smiling (laughs) and they like just look at me like, oh my God, (laughs) I just did it. I would be crying constantly. (laughs) Yeah. Last night I watched a bunch of fucking, uh, (laughs) watched a bunch of uh, like surprise adoption proposal videos why do you do that to yourself i know I was like, you're I, just asking for it but like <laughs> it's it's such a weird feeling to be like crying and i'm like happy that i'm crying i don't know it's so weird yeah. but like mm. yeah i thrive in that shit i love that shit like i cried when petra did his first show like we had so many people show up we and you i, I weird, have that picture. soft man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i am a huge i I've been trying to work out like a joke where like I'm I'm such a pussy that I'm like a bro about it. Dude, I'm a fucking wuss. <laughs> I'm so fucking in touch with my feelings, dude. I don't want to go to the gym. I want to watch fucking Little House on the Prairie. What's up? Or what's that fucking Oh, Pretty Little Women. Oh. I was like Little House on the Prairie. All right, I was like, we're getting deep. Like that's some sad (laughs) crying. (laughs) But yeah, like I, I think it's funny that like I, I want to do that. The same thing with like with people feeling like robbed that they can't say gay anymore. I was like, fine, you could say gay. Say it for a positive thing then. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, is that a new car? Dude, that's gay as fuck. That's so sick. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to do that shit. Yeah. Because really, like, gay went from being positive thing to negative thing. Let's bring it back to a positive thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's make cool. Take take the word back. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) You want to say gay? Go for it. Just make sure it's in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I leave that to Gen Z. They've done wonders for the English language. Yeah. You know? Bet. Oh, bet. I cannot stop saying yas. Like, it's it's funny, like, when you start to say something, like, ironically, but now I just can't stop saying it. Mm-hmm. And I can't say it normally either. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Because then it's like, am I Norwegian guy? What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And also in text messages, you feel way too assertive if you put a normal (laughs) yes. So instead you're like, how can I make this yes sound a little bit lighter? So they don't think I'm like real mad. I could either add an exclamation mark. Nope. Too aggressive. (laughs) I could put a U instead of an E, which Mm. is typically what I do. I can change it to a yeah. Emoji. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing, like, so when I had Miranda on, we had talked about um, body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And for you, like, do you recognize when, like, 
like how often do people come on and they just immediately start talking shit about their body? It's pretty, it's pretty common. I I would say um, for people starting off to right. just automatically just be like, I don't know if I feel comfortable in like this style of underwear. It's going to show my stomach. I would prefer to wear something like this. Um, I don't like this type of bra. I have back fat. Um, doesn't hold like that well. Or I don't even want to take my bra off. Um, which typically, like most burlesque, is like thong pasties like to end. I don't want to take my bra off. I think that my like tits are too saggy. Uh. Um, there's a lot, you know, that comes in. And I'm not there to tell them that, like, how how dare you say those things, right? Because as someone who battled with body image issues, like, okay. also throughout, like, my entire life, I know that it's something where you have to believe it. Okay. So what, what, so what would, I'm sorry, what... Do you mind just a little bit? You're disgusting. Uh, <laughs> it, I do that instead of saying bless you to people when they sneeze, sneeze I go, ew. I mean, it's COVID, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it is gross. It's also funny to, I, it's just funny to me to like, some people are like, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm completely fucking yeah. with you. I'm so sorry. Uh, but like, so the body image stuff, I mean, was so, it because you were so skinny growing up or? Well, little like summary for me was I like when I was in high school, I surrounded myself with people that were bulimic or anorexic. Holy shit. So being around that and having it be very normalized and being like, yeah, put your finger down my throat. Help me. Like that kind of screws with you a little bit. Yeah. Yes. I was naturally like very thin, but then to be like, okay, well, they're doing this, so I'm going to not eat for three days because they're not eating for three days. So then I am going to like binge here because they're binging. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, you know? Yeah. And also like, it's a weird time in your life. You're trying to be like accepted. So if that's who you're surrounding yourself with, like you're going to end up copying it to an extent. Yeah. Well, and I mean- when you're trying to figure out how somebody is able to accomplish X, Y, Z, and then you see shit like that, you're like, oh, that's how they do it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means I have to, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And so then from there, growing up and like getting older, well, I'm 18 now, where did these hips come from? <laughs> Going from being a size zero to being a size eight is not something that, was like really easy for me yeah and it's then, funny because like, now that's such a pop that that's a desired look now right and then also to then get even higher in waist size than that you mm. know so i would say that anorexia is something that once you because that that's personally what i struggled with on and off for a lot of years i never went in to treatment luckily i have always had 
good enough relationships with people where they knew when to watch like for signs oh. of things because I know myself well enough too and I wasn't trying to kill myself right it's not what I was trying to do I didn't know that I was getting like super thin at times you know um but to make sure like yeah you don't eat for how many days to then binge for how many days to mm. then not eat again for how many days like very anorexic tendencies um but that stays with you for forever yeah. and to this day it's still having to distract myself when i eat meals if i'm eating by myself so then i eat those meals sure because you like i love food i love food same i love traveling and trying different like types of food and all of that too that's the number one question my parents have when any of us travel what did you, you eat, eat? <laughs> yeah but even with that it's still like it it's the actual like amount of food you know sure. what i mean mm-hmm. so like you have to distract yourself to not realize how much you're eating and then it's also really hard to get control of binging for me personally too because i can eat all day and i can i will literally eat until i'm going to throw up because i ate so much okay so that's something that has always been like a struggle for control too like figuring out when do i stop yeah. i guess i mean this is a, I, i'm glad you said that because this like is just another facet of that delicate mm-hmm. like sure exterior wise it looks like this you know fucking yeah like be- well put together person beast mode well, but- it's all an act. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 you rip off your mask. Yeah. Ha-ha. I did come from outer space. It was me, Tom Hardy, the whole time. <laughs> um, But so back to the, like, these these women that come through. Yeah. So then, so then bringing that experience that I've had, it makes conversations about, like, body image very delicate. Like to me specifically, um, because I know what it's like and everyone in the entire world can tell you that you are fucking beautiful and you're not going to believe it until like you see it yourself. And typically they do get a little glimpse of that finally when they come off the stage, but before that, if they're not comfortable with like wearing any type of what, that's their choice. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell you, you can't perform if you're not going to like get down to your thong because you're embarrassed of like this and that stretch mark or whatever. No, yeah. if you don't want to show it, I know you can't see stretch marks from the audience, but if you're not comfortable in that, I will not make you do that you know well i think like people should stop having mirrors in their bathroom (laughs) because every time you get out of the shower you see all these things that you hate about yourself Mm -hmm. and it's so common for that to happen but like when it is like full-blown body dysmorphia like it's uh it's just another cut like uh what the fuck is that saying uh death by a thousand cuts Mm -hmm. like you're and 
you're the last person to like notice if you're progressing, if you are trying to make changes, other people will notice first, but so you feel like defeated and like, why, why even try? And then you see something like the cutest kittens and you're like, well, fuck, maybe this will help my self-esteem and maybe this will change things. And, but it's so hard to, to shake those. I mean, I can't imagine like, Oh, I still have problems. Are you joking? Like I feel like I am the biggest I've ever been right now. Yeah. You're what? Like six, (laughs) three. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, and it's really like a battle with your, with your head. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's okay for me to look this way. It's okay for me to have hips because Annie loves this peach. And if I didn't have these hips, she'd miss my booty so much. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh man, I connect with that. That's so funny. Cause like it took somebody, we just had these people over and Kim bought these. Did I show you that cookie? Yeah, 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 those yeah, cookies. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> a lot of calories per fucking I like that there's just one left though. <laughs> like who's gonna eat that one? Exactly. We're we're like testing ourselves like son of a bitch. How many miles do I have to walk to but so initially Kim had made a comment uh, about like she's you know, sick of gaining weight or like or uh sick of me losing weight and her weight not changing. Mm. And so she was not gonna eat a cookie. And our friend Sadie goes, but then you would lose that ass. Mm-hmm. And Chris would hate it if you lost that ass. And everyone like, loves Kim's ass. I know. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad somebody else fucking said it because, I mean, it. this is another like funny thing about Kim is like she has issues because people were very shitty to her when she was younger. Mm. Like I said, there was a teacher that felt like it was fine to call her a slut like Mm -hmm. just a bunch of bullshit and but i mean over the last three years uh she's started to notice women being attracted to her more and more and i'm like well yeah like yeah kimmy you're you're, hot you're super hot and so like it's funny to for her to be like i don't get it but to be constantly getting hit on by by gay people like it's like i don't know what more proof you need yeah of how fucking hot you are we even did a round of applause on dude absolutely mhm like when i got the neck tattoo she was not happy about it <laughs> but i was like okay sorry mom you're hot and alex goes you are hot kim duke <laughs> and then so we started clapping and Mara goes, thank you for your service. I love that so much. Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. But I mean, that that like. Society makes it really hard. Yes. For women and men to mm-hmm. be very confident in their bodies. Yeah. You know who ruins that? Men. Like we, we project so fucking much as to what the ideal woman is while looking like pieces of shit. And then when they try to get on the bandwagon of like, accept all body types, they're like, but I, I only want hot chicks Mm -hmm. and I look like this. So I'm just going to 
be an incel, I guess, and just jerk off like all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know what else they do? They go to Little Caesars. <laughs> well, and like men get it too. Like then, then you go after that hot chick, and she's like, "No, I want someone with like six pack abs." Yes, but whose fault is that? Yeah, that's true. It all goes back to the white man. It all goes back to the honkies. Get out of here. I know. Get out of town. It's so funny. Like that makes people like white dudes so uncomfortable because they're like, oh, that's that's not the way that I feel. And it's like, (laughs) look who you married. Well, but that that's because, you know, we, we got along and we fell in love. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying like you were always like you just went after who you loved. It had nothing to do with their body type. Mm. Well, I mean, mm. I never thought about it like that. And it's like, yeah, no, just fucking like, <sighs> so it just, it, I don't, I don't see the problem in recognizing faults because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mean that you are that person and it should be room to grow to be like, Oh, so that's why, like women feel it's necessary to do makeup for an hour before they go anywhere. Mm-hmm. The phrase "let me put my face on," I heard it when I was listening to an audiobook today, and I was like, "Fuck, man, mm-hmm. that is such a fucked up thing to say." Like in reality, like let me put my face on because I cannot go out looking like my normal self. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And like the amount of even like skincare issues women have due to makeup use. F- completely closing up your pores. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on and do this forever. Um, but we have been recording for over two hours. Oh, damn. Yeah, I know. There's and, a lot. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Well, I would love to, I mean, I know uh, Annie doesn't drive, but like maybe I could pack, like bring my shit to, you know, like the red carpet or bring mm-hmm. it. I don't know what your living's. Oh, you guys got a new house. We have a house. That's right. I can bring yeah. my shit to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get her angle of, because for as timid as she is, she uses humor to appear very confident. And I, yeah, I'm dying to know more about that too. As well. well, and she, she'll have some good stories. Yeah. I will say that she definitely has been through some shit. So, oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Is there, so the majority of the people listening to this, I'm sure, are going to be people who are fans of you and fans of, of what uh, you've been doing. So, I mean, do you have any advice for them as far as like the body image stuff or like, um, self-confidence stuff goes listen to your friends because they're absolutely correct when they say that you're hot let other people help that is definitely something I have recently been trying to do <laughs> um, because people care about you and they want to help and they want you to be the best person that you can possibly be and three always Always stay humble. That's very important. Yeah. That's very, very important. Never let anything take over your genuine personality. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast. And like what I was telling people is I want to do like the normal shit that I do. Right. It's an amalgamation of like the goofy, the trauma bonding, sobriety, all that shit. But really what all that means is like I'm just trying to convey as much sincerity as possible. And it doesn't always come out right like because I can't find the words to describe like how much you mean to the people that are in your life. And that goes for almost everybody that I've had on here. Like I just the stories that I want to share are of these people who are capable of conveying sincerity in a, such a genuine way. And so I just appreciate the bejesus out of you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. This will come out in about three weeks. Do you have anything coming up show wise or? Um, well on actual Halloween, mm. um, we're doing a vendetta vixens, Nikita's kittens mixed cast, uh, for a Halloween show, big Halloween bash. It's going to be on the main stage. I think we're going to be having doors open at 7.30, so then that way show will start at 8 and it'll be done by 11. Okay. But put your kids to bed early. Yeah. So Come that, on out. <laughs> that's on a Sunday then? Yeah, it's okay. on a Sunday. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, fucking, again, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves. <laughs>